Welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for this third season, reminding everyone that El Cafecito is sponsored by the Latin American Studies Program at the University of Toronto. Without their help, nothing of this would have been possible. And now for my introduction. After over 50 episodes, I finally have a good microphone. Love that. Um, hola, hello, Cubo. My name is Raquel Serrano. And thank you so much for being with us in this journey of... Um, talking about Latin America, talking about our experiences as Latinx students as at U of T. I really hope you enjoyed um, listening to our conversations. Bom dia, boa tarde, boa noite. This is Guilherme Paturi. And what a year, eh? Yeah, so now we're heading towards wrapping up our year in El Cafecito. I know it's just April, but of course, El Cafecito runs through the university sem semester from, from September till April. And last year, we were able to extend El Cafecito uh, doing the Radio Viral project, and we extended it all throughout the summer, and we had episodes all throughout the summer. But this time, it's not going to be the case. El Cafecito is going to halt for a few months. Um, we might, we will come back def definitely by September of this year. Um, but before that, we'll have, have this period of halt of the summer break in which El Cafecito will, uh, will pass by perhaps a reformulation. Let's see what's going to happen with that. Um, now this format of El Cafecito perhaps might be the last one, um, with us here. And it's definitely with me here. Um, this is my final episode in El Cafecito and we would like to make it special. And, um, the idea is to hear talk about, uh, the last year in review and talk about some of the politics that developed all throughout the year, but also in relation to, in relationship to our podcast and how it developed and how it grew all throughout this years. And I think one of the important aspects that we had, uh, this year and that we started this year really well was with Rado Viral and it was a project was a that project. was a project that was fantastic that um, that took in um, about 12 students I believe right um, to to participate in our podcast to participate in writing articles to talk about the pandemic and give the pandemic this youth perspective um, from a Latino perspective too and I think we were able to accomplish it really well and I and and my and my reflection about it is that um, El Cafecito was able to contribute a lot uh, to this reflection of the pandemic. I feel that uh, we we brought uh, this perspective of of young students and Latino young students into the into the fore, and that's something that was necessary a lot for my personal reflection too. I don't know how it was uh, uh, for for both of you, but I think it helped me a lot with how I understand Latin America and how I understand the world around me, and especially Rado Viral showed me how. Um, in the early in the early days of the pandemic, still how minority populations are extremely affected by the pandemic, not only the blacks but the indigenous, uh, the low income people in general are extremely uh, affected by the, by this pandemic, and that the pandemic has shown uh, has shown us that the system in which we operate nowadays has its issues and has its problems and it's and it's showing the inequalities and the issues and the cracks that exist in our system and i think that rada viral represented that a lot and showed a lot of these diverse perspectives of what is to be a latino a student latino during the pandemic but what are these minorities that are being affected especially affected in latin america given our our history of, of 500 years of colonization what has changed and what has changed with the, the perspective of the pandemic. And I wanted to ask you, what has changed in the aspects of the pandemic, especially what has changed uh, given Rade Viral in your own perspectives? 
I think essentially just knowledge. I remember the first time that we talked about Radio Viral, it was a meeting with uh, Leonardo and Anna, and Anna said something that to this date, I think really reflects what Radio Viral was trying to do, and uh, that is the creation of an archive of our thoughts and opinions on the pandemic. And as you said, coming from students, university students studying in Canada, Uh, and also in Latin America. So what has changed since then? Um, I think it's how we view knowledge and how we continue to reflect on what on those conversations that we had last summer that sadly we still see that uh, minority groups are still uh, experiencing uh, the pandemic at a much complicated level. Uh, we still see so many inequalities, we see Um, the, the effects that neoliberal, neoliberal policies had in Latin America. So how we understand this knowledge, how we are critical with that, I think that's what has changed. Um, Erica, I agree entirely. Um, I was actually not part of the Viral project, but I did listen to all the episodes. Um, and, and yeah, your discussions in that podcast were absolutely uh, brilliant. I, I really enjoyed listening to them. And I think that for me, what... The main difference or what has evolved from then is how much, as you said, Raquel, we know about the pandemic, because especially at the beginning, we, we knew a lot less than we know now, right? So so the discussions were centered around uh, knowledge of time, which is greatly evolved uh, now. And in regards to what the, the change we see in Latin America itself, uh, I think it's really interesting in a sad way, especially in Brazil, because when, I suppose this happened everywhere, but in Brazil, just a bit more pronounced uh, these days. So when it first began, we didn't really have, of course, we already had some cases, but not a lot of them in comparison to now. And most people actually followed uh, guidelines to stay at home and to not go out. And now when we're having an explosion of cases, uh, people are going out as if nothing was happening, which is actually really, really sad. Uh, the public health system has entirely collapsed in Brazil. They're incompetent leadership, nearly, no, I'm sorry, nearly 4,000 deaths a day in the country. Um, so although our knowledge uh, of the pandemic has has greatly increased uh, throughout the year, it is very, very upsetting to see how some Latin American nations, especially Brazil, are seeming trying to carry on as if the pandemic doesn't actually exist. And it absolutely does. Mm -hmm. I think something that Radio Viral emphasizes a lot is the student perspective. And that's something that Raquel mentioned a lot with the archival aspects that Anna brought up. And that's and that's something that's that's crucial linking up to what uh, Gilly was saying is this is this rat it's this student perspective, this this perspective that that from the youth about the pandemic was really interesting. I think that it's refreshing to see this kind of perspective, um, especially when you see so much um media and mainstream media being produced by the pandemic and we have alternative sources of media nowadays with the internet and i think el cafecito allowed us to um, develop at least a space in which students could reflect about their experiences and i think this was important in terms of of the critique of the of of, of how the pandemic has been operating and how the pandemic has affected us as students too that's something that we that was always in the background when we were discussing um, issues like minority rights and issues like pandemic rights and issues like gender rights um 
our perspectives as students were always in the background and I feel that a lot of the perspectives that these students brought were also really personal and coming from their personal backgrounds coming from their personal stories and that's something that we were seeking and something that we were finding um, which is sharing these stories with people and that's something that we we're really glad we made um, all throughout El Cafecito um, having the integration of student perspectives and inviting students in to talk and it's not only an opportunity for for the listeners to understand a little bit more about Latin America and that's the and that's a bit about the purpose of the podcast too which is this principle that the people and the students and the Latinos that come from Latin America are the ones that are in a way a specialist about them they know there's they know their culture they know their history and it's it's interesting to see from a specific lens this history and this culture from Latin America and that's what El Cafecito is all about and um, that's what we developed all throughout the year and we uh, developed all throughout the podcast this year uh, this one's now with Gilly participating I think we had um, a lot of a, we had a political focus more of this year going through a lot of the protest movements that happened in Latin America going through presidential campaigns we talked about the left in Latin America and the current situation of the left in Latin America and and that's something that's a perspective that has been uh, slowly changing and shifting as we've been talking this past eight months which is the transformation and the and the critique that has been happening in the left um, especially with the pandemic especially with the new cases especially with the rise of authoritarianism and of of neo-fascism in, in brazil for example and so we have uh we have this this critical perspective that's starting to develop um throughout the pandemic and that's a critique to the system but also to how um the the politicians have dealt with the pandemic and i think it's important to and to uh, embark all these perspectives in in one which is what el cafecito provides and i'm wondering what is uh what what was your take then on all uh the the more of the political aspects we we analyzed this year because there was we analyzed a lot of protests we know a lot analyzed a lot of presidential campaigns uh what was your take on generally on the state of latin american politics in the past few months oh personally i just think that uh it's very interesting, interesting to see how in a way the the continent uh, i don't think it's any exaggeration to say that the, these past two years so 2019 and 2020 especially latin america was swept by by waves of uh, of a desire for change so uh the protests we saw in peru and in ecuador and in chile and uh in argentina even just in paraguay more recently uh, they show how dissatisfied the population is with the status quo, how dissatisfied we are after what is it now, nearly three decades of the Washington consensus being unquestioned and poverty only seems to go down and the, uh, the inequality, social inequality only seems to widen. So I guess that uh, in these past two years, I wouldn't say it's Latin, I mean, with the COVID pandemic, I, I would absolutely say Latin American crisis, uh, but before that, just re referring to the protests themselves and this political uh, unrest in a sense, uh, I wouldn't call it a crisis, I'd call it an awakening in a sense of, of we are, the people are, are starting to realize that maybe the politics that were sold to them by neoliberalism for the past three, maybe even four decades aren't the answer. They aren't solving most of the issues in the continent. Uh, gas prices only go up in Brazil. Uh, uh, kitchen gas prices also only go up in Brazil. And these are basic necessities for most of the population. And we're now seeing that, well, maybe the conservatism and liberalism promised by Bolsonaro isn't the answer. And I think that's a realization 
which a lot of people came in Ecuador, for example, Raquel, would you agree that, well, uh, uh, when, the, when Lenin Moreno announced that the, the subsidies for gas would, would end in a very liberal-like uh, uh, approach, the country exploding process. So, so I would say that we're finally standing up uh, to the governments and not allowing them to do whatever they want if it's going to be to the detriment of the majority of the population. Yeah, I 100% agree with what you're saying. I think that we are more critical with what's happening and not necessarily because we know the the academic terms to define all like everything that has happened, but just by experiencing uh, these different inequities that affect the majority of the population, I think that's why a lot of people are more critical with their governments. And that also made me think of how connected our region is like yes we we do share a history of colonialism and so on but like right now i think it's really important to learn what's happening in the other countries to see like what all that says about like latin america as a whole and how specific countries can learn from one another to not necessarily use the other countries as an example but just to know what's happening and how what's happening in other countries uh, affects our own and i'm saying that based on like the legalization of abortion in argentina and the protests in in chile and how that happened and then how they were those protests were connected to or like they, they some connections can be made between the protests in chile and the protests in ecuador so we are not like we are different countries for sure but just understanding how all these different issues affect us all can help us uh, really get to understand uh, what's happening in Latin America because it's not an isolated case. Definitely, um, and I and I'm wondering, um, given given this raise this rise of protests and um, this change in the left in Latin America, what is the what is the role of students now? Um, have students um, participated, and what is the the student perspective in this case? Because um, we see a lot of popular participation, but where are the students located in in this Latin American crisis in this in this junction of Latin American politics with the pandemic? Um, what do you think? Because I I particularly think that with the uh, with virtual classes and with uh, without being able to get together, um, it's it's harder for us to organize as students. However. Um, a lot of online events and a, a lot of uh, online organization has been happening in the past uh, few months. And, and we have to recognize the participation of students too in many of these protests and, and in, many of these, uh, in many of these social organizations. And I'm wondering what is the role of students and what have, what, uh, what, how, how have students played in this, in this process in the past uh, few months? I think the best example is what happened in Chile. Like, El Estallido Social started because of the... Uh, protests that uh, students were making about the um, the public transit fare. So they started that and then like other protests um, came along. So it's just like how they, the impact that students can have. And I think it's also the like how people see us as like the new uh, the, the new generations and that, that we are going to be the ones making change. So we are doing that. I think that being critical, being um, going, being part of different social movements and being part of the uh, social life of our countries. I think that's a, a great example of how students are part of 
what's happening in Latin America. Yeah, I agree, Raquel, absolutely. And I'd say that in Argentina as well is a good example because a lot of the uh, the, the pro uh, the pro abortion um, the the pro legalization of abortion. There you go. It took a while to come out. Uh, the, a lot of the pro legalization for abortion uh, uh, rallies and and events really were planned by uh, women students in universities, especially the University of Buenos Aires. So uh, yeah, it's it's a wonderful example of how. Uh, the students uh, organize in, in, in to pressure the government to take legislation and to enact legislation that they absolutely should. So, uh, one of the largest uh, manifestations of uh, about the of the Greens in in Argentina was organized by uh, students of the UBA. So, yeah, it is very interesting to see how uh, students are more and more taking not more and more. I feel like historically, uh, university students especially have taken this role of questioning the government. And, and organizing uh, protests, but it's good to see that that hasn't stopped. And as you said, Raquel, that our, our this new generation is demanding change in light of the massive uh, changes we're seeing in the world, both social and political, and, and of course because of climate change. So it's very, very interesting to see. Yeah, and I think I think that the experience of Radio Viral just show us how how we can't stop, right? Despite the pandemic, despite we're now in one the year one year mark of the pandemic, and we're all stuck at home still, and we're still communicating through Zoom. And um, despite all of that, we're still organizing collectively in some way in order to show our voice somehow. Um, and I think that Rado Viral represents that really well. This idea that um, despite the pandemic and despite the hindrances of the pandemic and of being stuck at home with our internets, we're still able to organize and we're still able to provide a collective voice somehow. And, and that has been has been shown a lot in the pandemic. And as, as you've shown from examples in Latin America, the students have still been organizing and haven't been avoiding the issue of the pandemic. Um, they've been in the uh, um, fighting as well somehow in the front lines to uh, to uh, to fight the virus. And um, and that comes through protests too. That comes through social organization. That comes through cultural activity. And I think that's what um, El Cafecito represents. It represents this cultural activity of the students um, in order to represent, in order to show their perspective. And I think that's that's extremely important to not only create archival evidence, but also to to develop ourselves. I think that's an aspect that. Um, that was really important about El Cafecito and that I saw in many of our student representatives, which was the the development of our own like personal medias and our own personal journalism. Because in a way, what we're providing here is an alternative form of media, an alternative form of, of, of news information in some way, of opinion. And uh, this provide this allows for um, um, uh, better access to our own perspectives, but also how the the way to develop our own perspectives, develop our, our, our the way as students, right? I think projects such as this allow us to allow us to uh, uh, create our own personalities, but also uh, create how we want to show ourselves to the world and create this persona, create this integration between different students. And I think it's really important, this integration of Latin America, which is uh, something that is crucial for our cafecito, which is uh, unfortunately, most of the we're speaking in, in English and, and that's because of our limitations because of the University of Toronto. Uh, but of course, as, 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 a, as a continent divided by multiple languages, not only Spanish and Portuguese, but indigenous languages, we are um, we share somehow this history of colonization, how Raquel did, how Raquel said, but also 
we 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 we're able to share this the this uh, the English language because we're studying in Toronto and that we have this Canadian education and we're able to still spread this form of Latino education through our language through our knowledge of English and I think that's important too because it spreads our knowledge of Latin America from beyond the confines of Latin America I think um, one of the limitations that it's in English is that we can't access a few Latin American students but one of the pros of that is that we're able to spread our our word in a more um, in a more uh, broad view because people will take it more because English is more is more taken in by by the global internet and I think I think that's a that's an interesting perspective that gave that El Cafecito gave to us which is this personal development that I definitely underwent all throughout this process too. That's completely true and what you were saying made me think of I think El Cafecito and Radio Viral were also spaces for us to talk about the things that we didn't talk in class. So we were all social sciences, humanitarian students, um, like the three of us. And I know we've talked about this a couple of times of how the, when, whenever we talk about Latin America in our classes, it's always from a Eurocentric perspective. They're always looking to specific things like banana wars or like the uh, Venezuelan crisis, uh, but that's it. So I think this is like El Cafecito created this space space for us to talk more about the region, um, bring our own opinions, uh, use different lenses to talk about what's happening in, in Latin America. And with what you're saying, Leo, like talking in English, I think it's a great advantage for those that are U of T students or are students in, in North America and that are interested in learning about Latin America from the perspective of uh, university students. So I think it, it also has that it has benefited us in terms of being able to to talk about our regions freely. Another interesting aspect of language was how we tackled the audiobooks too. Um, now we had a partnership with Spanish 258, um, but not only that, we were reading different books um, from the Spanish and the Portuguese languages. And I think that was, an, was also an interest, interest, interesting opportunity for developing of languages too. And that's something that we, we emphasize a lot here in El Cafecito is, is that we're, we speak English here, but we have this alternative of Spanish or Portuguese in audiobook readings. And I think this um, helps me develop my own Spanish, but also I hope where it was able to develop everyone's Spanish and Portuguese and give this slight introduction to to uh to literature right i think that's also an important part of our project here it's not it's not we don't talk only about society and politics but we also integrate the cultural perspective through literature and i think uh understanding latin america also goes through the books and also goes through our our uh, vast literary experience and We've, we've been exploring that all throughout El Cafecito with the audiobooks too. Um, this literary experience is important for developing our, our understanding of Latin America. And I think that's what El Cafecito what is in, in, in essence too, developing our own understanding of Latin America in different perspectives, in different ways. And I think as a personal project, it was amazing for us, but hopefully for, for the rest of the people, it was also amazing hearing it and, and developing with us and learning with us. Because that's uh, that's a process that El Cafecito was, which was a lot of hard learning, not only starting with the editing skills and with posting on social media, but also developing our ideas, developing the way we talk. I think 
uh, if you compare now, let's compare the first El Cafecito. Like if we were go to go back uh, to the first El Cafecito and to the one that we have now, I think we've changed so much. We've developed so much. Our chemistry is different. We're able to talk and develop our thoughts in a way better form where we're, we're part of this format now, I feel that's, that's something that I feel is interesting is that we've integrated really well to that format and the format is now part of us. And then we're able to develop it too. And it's important to develop this format because it's accessible in many ways, right? It's free. Uh, it's in English, which is accessible to a lot of people. Uh, the idea is to, to make it as widespread as possible and not only provide this university perspective, but the student perspective specifically of these academic affairs that we sometimes approach university and that we also see in the news. Yeah, I agree entirely, Leo, especially with what you said about how, how we improved. I think, I think everything improved. If you look back in the first, in the first episode, so that's season two, episode one. You, not only were our ideas much less concise and much less well, I mean, at least I, I went in circles a lot and I feel like I, I'm very, I'm way better at not going into random tangents when speaking. Uh, <laughs> uh, and even the audio quality, like Leo, your your audio was amazing today. Like it, not that it was bad before, but now it's part of the I just want to point that out. Uh, <laughs> so I know, yeah, I do. <laughs> So, so I do think we, we grew considerably as a podcast, as people and as a friend, as friends. Uh, so I'm very, very happy to have embarked on this amazing journey with you guys. Yep. It's been a, an amazing experience and we're really going to miss you. Um, not only at El Cafecito, but also seeing you uh, on campus, Leo. So thank you so much for uh, asking Yale and I to be part of this program. I remember, uh, I think it was like, the fall of 2019 and uh, you said I'm part of this podcast now it will be great to have you and I was like uh, I've never done this before but sure so and I'm so happy I that you invited us and that after I don't know how many episodes 50 or over or so, 50 over 50 that, yeah we, we are here now so um Thank you so much for this opportunity. And I really hope everything goes well with you in uh, whatever you choose to do. Yes, we're not we're not going to abandon this. Um, that's something that I, I, I'm certain of. You, internet, you're not going to, I'm not going to disappear. I'll definitely be around. And I think I, I, I will develop other projects. Um, I think media is, is a part of me, an intrinsic part of me now. And especially with the Cafecito, I was able to develop that. And I'll be part of this um this project of promoting Latin American culture and politics and the promoting the understanding and the education on the, in the critical perspective of Latin American politics in the world. I think in, in, in part of it is also kind of my mission um, as a, as a political science student, as a university of Toronto student to spread a lot of the knowledge that I learned about Latin America and also the people that I've known, right? I think um, El Cafecito would be nothing without the people that it, uh, that it took in and the people that spoke and participated. And honestly, we've had people from all over Latin America, not only one region of Latin America, but we had multiple countries in Latin America. I couldn't say we have all of the Latin American countries because that would be really hard, but we definitely covered many of them and covered many of the people that, that participate in the region and are in, in interacting in the region. And um, that was a that was a big part part of the process of El Cafecito too, which is uh, this this develop this collective development of ideas. And I think that we were able to 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 do that really well. And 
and, and creates an archive for uh, for future reflection and for future study, especially on, on this form of perspective, which is the student perspective that we emphasize here so much. Um, and that can't be forgotten because um, I feel that sometimes there's this uh, tendency, especially in the media, to to downplay youth, downplay the youth, downplay the youth perspective. Um, we are seen sometimes as not having enough information, of being too radical, of being too critical, of being uh, of being not informed enough, of being manipulated, of being uh, played along with. And so there are many there are many charges that a lot of people that that society gives to to the to the youth, and I think especially Latin American youth because we are we're going through such a political junction now um, and such a critical period in our in our in our history with the pandemic is that we can't uh, we can't avoid putting out our voice out there it's important um, I feel that this is a project exactly of that of promoting our voice uh, which is something that sometimes gets um, that loses its focus and loses its its importance in the historical process I feel the the, the perspective of the youth because uh, we're seen as that's not informed as not understanding and I think what El Cafecito shows is that the youth is here and that the youth is present and it's able to to develop its views really well and it understands the world and it specifically understands its own context right I think that's the beauty of El Cafecito is in bringing people from different countries and letting them tell talk about their own context of course they're not going to represent the whole views of the country and a country is massive and diverse just as like Brazil uh, Gilly and I we're not we're not saying that we're representatives of Brazil and that we know everything about Brazil that's not the case we have a particular perspective um, and we have a particular student perspective but that's what's important about it it's about showing our particular perspective and showing our ideas given uh, our, uh, our whole critical reflection of the media and I think this voice of the youth is something that's important to be to be shown out there in the world and that's what El Cafecito uh, participated a lot in too I feel that it was an important project to, to undergo in order to develop ourselves, but also develop the people around us. And I'm, I'm really grateful for participating in El Cafecito and having this experience. It was amazing. It was fantastic talking to both of you and talking to all everyone that has passed through this podcast. And I hope that it grows. I hope that it changes. I hope that it develops, but it never loses its student perspective because that's what El Cafecito started. And I think that's what um, El Cafecito should continue to promote. I would like to thank everyone for listening to our 50 podcasts so far, or even more. Uh, thank you for participating. Thank you for engaging and sending emails and um, sending us messages on Facebook and Instagram. We're really happy for your participation and for engaging with us. Uh, thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm really happy for this project. I'm really happy how it turned out. And you'll see me soon. I won't disappear. So uh, thank you very much, Gilly. Thank you very much, Raquel. And I'll see everyone, not next week, but soon. Okay? Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs>